Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Bravo, macht Tempo, wartet auf Harte. Herzlang gekommen und jetzt ist es Klos. Also, Arminia Bielefeld. Penny, 2-0. 2-0 für den FC St. Pauli. Diese Flanke, Tor, nächster Treffer. Es heuer, Fernandes mit vorne. Ja klar ist er mit vorne. Kittel mit der Ecke, Pujan Guten Tag and welcome to the final edition of the Schweider Bundesliga podcast for 2022. What a calendar year it has been and what a season we've had so far for the 22-23 campaign. A lot of shocks, lots of goals and match day 17, the match day that we're going to review for you today, was no different. Symptomatic of what a season we've had and it's crazy that we are in the middle of November and we're gone for... I think it's 10 weeks before we return once again once when the ball is kicked with anger. And uh, yeah, plenty to get through. We're going to talk about all nine games from last weekend's action. Maybe give off some impressions on how we're feeling about the league as a whole. We'll of course talk about our kick tip to see who uh, is the Herbstmeister in our league. It is very tight this year, which is good because there was a, a few runaways. Uh, if we remember last season, Max... Uh, Jakob Ost was on top uh, at the Winterpause, came on our podcast, and and from there he never recovered. So, um, yeah, this doesn't mean if you... Yeah, so we, we did quite well. But, um, yeah, we should, uh, of course, welcome the my teammate, the partner in crime, uh, to discuss all the activity from the match day. Of course, it is the very jovial Eva Lotta Bola. Eva, good morning to you. Uh this was a crazy weekend of football. Lots of goals, which we all love to see. Definitely seemed like a few teams were preparing for the winter pause. Um, but of course, only one of us can celebrate uh, talking about this match day, and that's yourself. <laughs> yeah, finally. Uh, I mean, at the same time, I'm a bit skeptical because I was at this point last year uh, when Armenia went to the winter break with two wins in a row. And... We all know how that ended. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I really do have the feeling that the DFL was like, we really want to show you how much you need a break. Uh, this English week, like, I forgot who played who and how and when. And yeah, so I already had this problem on Tuesday in the Rasenfunk. And uh, I can promise you it's not going to get better for this episode please please forgive me uh but i really need that at the same time i already want to say um obviously for uh the majority of like the professional especially men uh leagues there is a break now because of the world cup but uh if you don't want to go without football in the stadium um go check if you're if you live in germany go check what your local women's teams are doing for example um i know that bielefeld plays bochum in one and a half weeks on sunday 1 p.m it's like going to its wider bundesliga match um they're playing in the regionalliga west um speaking about regionalliga west um in terms of men football they they continue the season until december 12th 10th 11th something like that that weekend um 
So, yeah, if you don't want to go without local football, local life football, um, I think you will find enough to do. Um, otherwise, I already want to say have a nice winter break. Um, and until um, you can enjoy that, you will now have, I don't know, one and a half hours. I, I don't know. Us two speaking about football for the last time in 2022. Have fun. <laughs> Usually we leave the pleasantries to the end, but... Uh, it yeah, I'm not trusting myself to be able to create <laughs> full sentences at the end. So this is I, me I, thinking. I think that's why I'm here, I guess. That's the, the same reason why I'm at my current job, where I help with all the emails and stuff like that. But yeah, nine nine epic games. And let's start with the uh, the tabletop is Darmstadt. They had the, the luxury of playing... The informed team in the Zweite Bundesliga, that's Greuther Fürth, uh, just over 15,000 made their way to what was a relatively nice day in, in Darmstadt. And the one thing that we, hadn't talk, we haven't had to talk about for a while is concession of goals for Greuther Fürth. They had gone 300 plus minutes without conceding a goal, but they were going to be without Andreas Linder. He had picked up a knock in their 1-0 uh, their win against Hamburg in midweek. So Leon Schaffron was back in the sticks uh, and it took him less than two minutes to concede the opening goal of the game. Uh, it was a pretty preventable ball into the box, and Emir Karic at the back post putting the ball into the back of the net. So a different scenario for um, for uh, coach Alexander Zorniger, playing from behind, something they've not had to do at all in his time as uh, as Greta Fürth coach. But how was the resolve? Well, they actually played quite well. Um, they were the dominant team for the first 75 minutes. That courage goal was the only shot on goal that Darmstadt mustered up. Then they would get their equaliser on 42 minutes. Uh, a Marco Jorn corner finding Damian Mikowski uh, to make it 1-1. Mikowski's been a good set-piece threat for them. He's got four goals this season. Um, it's been it's been a good get for them. And we know when we had um, Michael Fischer on, how much of an impression he left um, on him. And, and definitely been quite good. Darmstadt made their job really hard. Uh, they went down to 10 men when Gideon Young got a second yellow. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the decision, to be honest. It looked like he was protecting the ball. And anyway, Harm Osmus, everyone, uh, Eva's favorite referee, was quite happy to dish out the second yellow. And uh, Darmstadt, you know, they had to s s hold firm. The last 15 minutes, it was all Darmstadt. Furt did really well to hold on essentially and hold on they did a 1-1 draw in the end it means that Furt drops down a 10th with results elsewhere but they are unbeaten in their last four and they've taken 10 of their 20 league points in the final four games it's been an impressive end of the season Darmstadt only two wins in their last five but they are unbeaten in that stretch they have actually been unbeaten for their last 16 games if you remember all the way back in August on match day one was their one and only defeat at the hand of Jan Regensburg. Yes, remember that because that's exactly how it happened last season for them, minus the uh, the 16-game unbeaten run. Let's discuss. Um, it's clear. The plan seems to be a lot clearer with Furt. We discussed it on Friday. We've discussed it on Tuesday. We discussed it when Michael Fischer was here. It's, it's, the, it's the thing that it's really easy to talk about. The structure is there. They played five at the back for the first time. We haven't seen that a lot from them. They've been more four at the back. Um, but they still did all the things that an Alexander Zorniger team does well. They pressed well. They caused turnover in good areas. They had opportunities. 
Um, in especially in the first half, uh, they they had you know eight of their nine shots in the first half. So says a lot. They're a team on the mend, but can't help but feel that they might feel a little bit shortchanged. Look at their their first half, and and Armindo C is, is someone we talk about. A couple of really really good chances that on another day maybe he would have taken. Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of things I want to add. I mean, uh, first and foremost, it's impressive what Alexander Toniga managed to do with that third side so far. Um, I think what you can see is that as of now, and especially taking the the whole English week into account, is that their way of playing football is, for now, it can only hold on for 45 minutes. Because obviously that very, very high pressing we saw here as well really put Darmstadt under pressure. They didn't look good. Um, got better in the second half. You also had the feeling that obviously when they were down to 10 men, Fjord didn't have that power anymore. Um, yeah, it was just very, very exhausting for them to go through that. Um, at the same time, I think you can definitely see that someone like um, Maya Hufa, who we talked about with Michael Fischer as well, um, he has been very white, vital being back in the team. It didn't look like he did really have the time to come back to the team, but he immediately fits into the team. Um, and I think you can see that. I think that's very important. Um, who I really liked, who we didn't really talk about a lot because there were so many other people or players we could talk about is definitely Marco Yon came from Hoffenheim. We could see what he could do there in the in the Bundesliga, and I really really liked him. I liked him in the uh, in the game against Hamburg already. Liked him here. Uh, his crosses are very good. Um, obviously, the goal came after a Yon corner, so out of open play from set pieces, he he's very important, and he's a young player, and I think that's good because. Fitz team in general has like is a weird mix, um, but at the same time, like it's it's good to see young players like Yoon and obviously Zeep, um, really developing under Tsoniga. And I mean, um, Tsoniga, I think Michael said this year as well. Uh, they restart the season on December fourth, um, because he has a lot of talking points. He he also said after the game he's quite happy this didn't wasn't a win. Because otherwise you would, like, now you're in midfield. Otherwise you would uh, already look, because it's like that was two points more, you look more to what could possibly be. And he's quite happy that this is not the case. Um, with, with Darmstadt, this is what we said before. If Darmstadt scores an early goal, does not necessarily, like, it can, they, in a way, ruin their game themselves. Mm. Because there will be games where it works that they score an, open, an early goal and then they just continue to, like, they don't have to have tons of chances. But in this game, they could see uh, that they have, in a way, earned that draw um, in the second half. As you've mentioned, only one shot on goal, one shot on target in the first half was more in the second half. Um, so I think just compared to that, it, it was a deserved draw. draw at the same, like, on the other hand, if you're one man more, you should probably win this towards the end, uh, especially if you have that majority of chances. Um, for that second yellow for Gideon Young, um, I think that 
maybe the problem is not that this was given a second yellow, but that Ham Osmas had difficulties in having a clear mm. line of refereeing throughout the game, especially in the first half. Game got very physical, but not in a very fair way, in my opinion, mm. very quickly. And the way he decided on how to punish that was very, very different. Um, I mean, you had only four yellow cards in this whole game, and I think that didn't really level up or edit up to how physical the game was in the end. Um, obviously, as uh, mentioned before, good result for food. I think for Schaffran, it was very important to have that, especially that big save against Tietz. Um because, like, obviously, Fürth had a lot of goalkeepers, uh, a lot of goalkeeping problems throughout the season where you always had the switch between Linda and Schafran. Uh, Michael Fischer told us after you asked him the question that Linda is number one, but obviously him being injured. So I think that's good to have a solid number two between the stakes. Um, and Schafran showed that he could be that. And, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I agree. We We... It is it is funny how Darmstadt kind of almost it's a self sabotage job where they take the lead and it's like well we're gonna sit back a little bit absorb some pressure try not to concede and then get to the break and we'll reassess everything um, so yeah I, I think they kind of reap what they sowed in the end by being like okay oh we we've, we've got fifteen minutes to go and we've actually got to do something because it's one one. Um, they had the chances, they just couldn't put them away. Just an interesting stat before we move on about Damian Mikowski. He scored four goals this season. Three of them have been scored on the 42nd minute. Yeah, there you go. The other one was a 34th minute goal that was against Jan. So his goals against uh, Fuhr, uh, he plays for Fürth. Darmstadt, Paderborn and Magdeburg all were scored on the 42nd minute. So that's a nice little interesting one. Let's segue to the team that is currently in second place heading into the Winter Pauser. That's Hamburger Asval, who are currently touring the States. Uh, they took on Esval Sandhausen at the Volkspark Stadium in just front of over 55,000 um, in attendance. This just felt like such an atypical Hamburg performance. And uh, the statistics back that up. Dominant in possession, lots of shots, abnormally high XG. And... Um, you know, their goals came not in the prettiest of ways, but they did come eventually. It started on 27 minutes. Uh, Robert Glatzel, who will enter the winter break as the league's top scorer, he scored twice in this game. He opened the scoring on 27 minutes uh, when Jean-Luc Dompe uh, picked him out. Glatzel had a bit to do. He rounded the goalkeeper, Nikolai Renan, uh, and put the ball to the back of the net. 1-0 at the break, and then Sepio Suku. Yes, he still plays football. It's been a while since we've mentioned him. Uh, he scored uh, just four minutes after the break. Then that goal was restored to one-goal advantage uh, when Miro Muheim found uh, Ludovic Rice. Rice with a rare-headed goal. He's got three for the season. But, of course, that lead was all but... Well, it was gifted back. Muheim, who assisted the... Uh, the 2-1 also assisted the 2-2. His uh, faint back pass was picked off by Kinsombi, and he put the ball to the back of the net to make it 2-2. It definitely looked like that Hamburg were, as usual, doing things the hard way at home. Uh, but they were gifted, uh, the uh, the 3-2. Jean-Luc Dompe again with a wonderful ball in, and Alexander Zvirov, who has scored a second own goal this season. I think he leads the league in own goals. Uh, that's not a stat you want. At least he's scoring, but the wrong end. Um, 
he puts the ball in the back of the net. And then five minutes later, uh, Benish tees up Robert Gladsell. Gladsell's now got 11 goals in the season. And that is your final 4-2. So none of the misery of being beaten 5-1 on the last day of the season. Um, but we will come back to that in the, on the final match of the season. But it will be in Zanhausen. What does this mean, Hamburg? They reduced the margin to Darmstadt to only two points. Uh, they've won three of their last five games for Zanhausen, one win in their last five, and thanks to the results elsewhere, they will enter the winter break bottom of the table. And for, for Zanhausen fans who want to be a little bit concerned about what's going to happen, 85 of the teams in the history of the Swider Bundesliga since 1981 have been relegated when they were bottom of the table. The last team to avoid that fate was St. Pauli more than five years ago, where they managed to somehow finish seventh after being 18th at the midway point of the season. This is, yeah, I think I think the result was as expected in that Hamburg were going to dominate the game. They were going to have plenty of high quality chances, but uh, I think defensively they were a bit suspect. You know, they 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 kind of gave those two goals away. Um, we obviously know what's going to happen with Mario Vuskovic, who uh, failed the drug test, which means that they will definitely be looking for a centre back in the in the in the transfer window. Um, we, uh, it's fascinating. Both teams are really fascinating. We suspect Sandhausen are going to have to throw some money around. But what, what was your impression of, of, of Hamburg in particular? Because I feel like we've said this so many times this season about them. At home, away from home, they're unbelievable. There's no game plan really to go against them. But at home, teams just seem to know what to do. They did win this game in the end and deservedly so, but it wasn't all convincing. Yeah, and I mean, you have to really see, I mean, uh, Sandhausen was re- wasn't really in the game for the first 45 minutes, but then, and I mean, no offense to Sandhausen, but I mean, they're 18 for a reason now, and they put ha- pressure on Hamburg, and I mean, this is the second time Muheim made a mistake like this, if you think back to the Hanover game, um, and, and like, this is something I don't really get. I mean, you could really see that um, Hammock has problems if either Voskovic or Schoenlau is missing in that defense and that there are teams who can put more pressure on them. Um, I quickly actually want to t- touch on that Voskovic subject because obviously uh, this is this is huge. First of all, if it's really EPO or EPO, uh, the drug he was tested positive for, mm. This is something you don't get without a system. Like, take a look into all kinds of um, drug usage in football and in professional sports. Like, get into what EPO means and you will find that this doesn't work without a system. This is not something you take accident, in like on accident, uh, on occasion. There is a system behind that. And this means that probably people from Hamburg knew about this, mm. that this is not something the player decided on himself. So first of all, money-wise, this could mean huge, like this could be a huge deal for Hamburg. And we know that financials are not always easy for HSV. Obviously, Voskovic was one of their very expensive players. For, mm. Like, I mean, one... 1.5 million uh, loan, it, they co- like loan costs 
for last year and then they paid three million in the summer. So nearly five million for a player who will at least at least not play for two years. If the second um test fails as well or is positive as well, it can be up to four. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously has a contract until twenty twenty five. Um I mean this is he's a very young player and obviously there will be some sort of investigation on Hamburg as well. Uh, so I think just getting a new player will not fix that problem. I think it can mean a very uneasy um, winter break for Hamburg um, because this is like in a way a very unnecessary. Yeah, I know just, just tasks they put on themselves in a way. Um, yeah, for, I mean, they, they brought it home, had a lot to do with Glatzel. I think he was involved in all four, four goals in a way in the end. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's good that he went away for the, for the third one, uh, Sorry, for the second one would have been an uh, probably offside if he looked like it. Um, yeah, I mean, in the end, uh, Sandhausen did Sandhausen things. I mean, uh, they uh, conceded eight goals in the last two games. This is not really yeah. Alois Schwarz like. I mean, but you, what you have to take into account is really the amounts of injuries. Um, that there is definitely a striker missing because I think you would tend to agree that Polkrupp is not filling the void. Testrud left when he went to Ingolstadt. Um, the Konsomri brothers are like the only one we really talk about. Mm. Um, probably Papela. I mean, he is the reason we don't talk about Tom Trimbrun uh, mm. that much, um, who we were big fans, obviously. Yeah. It's the end of last season. Um, I think for, for Sandhausen, we we definitely expect um, some new signings. I mean, it's Sandhausen last season, 10 in, in the winter break. I think 10 new signings, eight went away or something like that. And um, yeah, pro- they were really, really hoping that someone like Timo Korachi will be back, obviously. Um we know that Sandhausen last season was very, very strong through set pieces. Uh, this season, not so much. I mean, this whole duo, like with Akurachi, and then you had a Bachmann or a Chirov uh, bringing the ball in, or a striker. Um, this really missing. I think we only have one Bachmann goal this season after a set piece so far. So, yeah, this is definitely something that was a weapon for Sandhausen. Uh, beginning of 2020 and that's why they were one of the best teams in that in that second leg of the season so I also say that with Sandhausen it's not all done because there were in this those bottom three in I think four of the last or three of the last four years and have not been relegated so yeah we will we will see um but I think yeah don't do not think how to interpret it that they in a way fought their way back uh, in the game against Heidenheim and the game against Hamburg, which are 
both in the top three. But at the same time, um, yeah, they just defensively, yeah, they give out too many invitations. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, that's always going to be a given in Hamburg against that Hamburg team that you have to absorb so much pressure um, and then you have to be super efficient going forward. And yeah, they're just all the things that were kind of the bread and butter stuff for them. Just not, it's not coming easy to them. Um, and it's probably not that surprising that um, they are in the situation they is. It was interesting when you were talking about the Vushkovich stuff. I'm reminded um, because EPO as a, as a performance enhancing tool is designed to improve endurance. It's what a lot of endurance athletes like cyclists, for example, in the Tour de France, uh, were quite commonly getting pinged for was the uh, the transfusion of blood into into the body that would give you um, extra performance. I recall 2006, Floyd Landis overturned like a 17-minute deficit, something absolutely ridiculous, and he, of course, was caught. Um, but obviously Lance Armstrong did it. Uh, so many of the others. I mean, that's why there's a block in in the history of the the Tour de France of there, there's just no classified winner because they were all cheating. And uh, yeah, so he's 21. It's such a it, it's uh, breaks your heart that he he's you know if the B sample comes through as as, um, as positive, it's such a shame. At 21, so much much football ahead to to resort to that. I, that's that's really that's so sad. I'm disappointed. He could have easily, um, you know, that's disappointing. I I can't help but feel sad because that's just it's a young man making, and he's only five years younger than me. But it's a young man making bad decisions. Let's 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 move on before I get even more upset. Um, let's move to the game, the game that produced the most goals: Heidenheim and Jan Regensburg. Oh, bloody hell. Strap yourselves in, because this game had almost everything. There were shocks, there were drama till the very end. Uh, but in the end, Heidenheim were, to, were able to get on top. Score of 5-4. to four. And this is how it happened. It started very well for the Yan, who were, you know, just do, hoping to be not only defensively a bit more stable, but at the offensive... Excuse me. At the offensive end... Praying they could get some goals from different sources, and they did that. They opened the scoring just 13 minutes in. It was Blendy Idrizzi, who's of course on loan from Schalke. His cross found Prince Ose Awusu, his second goal of the campaign. And then it was all Heidenheim from there. Three goals in the space of 17 minutes. A brace for Tim Kleindienst and a goal from Adrian Beck. Uh, was going to hopefully give Heidenheim a 3-1 lead into the break, but... In the, in the first minute of stoppage time, Conrad Faber found Charolompus Marcridis to make it 3-2 at the break. Incredible game this was. This was part of that unbelievable Saturday afternoon fixtures where it was just raining goals. So then after the break, uh, Regensburg equalized. Khan Kaliskana found Nicholas Shipnovsky. Shipnovsky's been a... He hasn't really featured this much this season on loan from Fortuna Dusseldorf. Uh... Good goal, 3-3, game on once again. Then, just 14 minutes before regular time was up, 
Klein Deans, who had already scored twice this season, and his last goal was assisted by Dennis Tomala. He repaid the favour. His ball finding Tomala. Tomala finding the back of the net. And at 4-3, you're thinking, surely this is the end of the drama. There couldn't be any more that could happen from here. Well, this is the Svarta Bundesliga, so it's never over. And uh, in stoppage time, Joshua Mies has fumbled, bumbled. It just kind of ping-ponged in the box. And Aigun Yildrim scoring his first goal in Jan Colors for a long time. He was on loan last season, middle of last season. Had that impervious goal-scoring record at Field uh, two seasons ago. He scores, shirt comes off, celebration. Jan have stolen a point. Everyone's loving it. It's all great. Uh, but just three minutes later, no. Yeah, Jonas Forenbach found Stefan Schimmer. His ball cannons off the post and into the goal. And Heidenheim win. Heidenheim stay a point behind Haas Val. Regensburg, three losses in the last four. Uh, the second worst defensive team in the league, or equal second. Uh, behind Magdeburg. And uh, yeah, I mean, Heidenheim have won four of their last five. Only one of two sides that have done that. We'll talk about the next team afterwards. But um, yeah, what a crazy game this was. It it, it looked for all money that at 3-1 that Heidenheim were just going to cruise to victory. But, you know, Jan showed great resolve to really to make it a game. But uh, it doesn't even matter because... Um, to concede the way they did in stoppage time and the way they defended that goal, boy, that's criminal effort. Well, you know, the funny thing is Heidenheim conceded a third of their goals in the last two games. <laughs> they have, they've conceded 20 goals so far this season and seven in the last two. Mm. So that's, nearly a third of all their goals they could see in the last two games it was a very unusual like I was at work at Saturday when all those games happened um, and my phone like was uh, in the in the break room and when I checked and when I went to to get something to drink I was like what the hell is happening <laughs> and I couldn't really believe it I couldn't really chat what was happening uh, and then really uh could check them after work uh, when I came home, like at, I don't know, 6.30 in the evening. So that was crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so difficult to talk about that game because you had, in a way, very sloppy Heidenheim defense as well. Like, I mean, that uh, Irisi has way too much space. I don't know. I think, I mean, not to be rude, but Mike probably didn't expect Prince Savi to score his first goal by header um, in the Zweite Bundesliga. We all did not expect that. Um, I mean, at the same time, one thing you should be able to defend are Heidenheim corners. Um, half of the league can't do that. Neither could Regensburg. Obviously, that best Kleindienst combination worked very well. Um, yeah, but like I have, I have problems talking about this. I think uh, you can always pinpoint in a way uh, the reasons why Heidenheim conceded to individual errors. Um, for example, Sessa versus Shipnovsky. Um, but at the same time, for Regensburg, is more like a difficult team effort uh, that got them there. Um, because there are so many points you can talk about. Okay, for the for the fourth goal, uh, it's definitely um, Elvedi's fault. 
I don't know what he's doing there. Um, but, yeah. But nine in the end, they're the best home team in the league. Uh, they picked up points away from home and maybe, maybe if they can hold on to that, it's uh, it's going to be this season where they get promoted, maybe. It's going to be a very, very difficult fight up there uh, because we have so many teams who are like in those top, I want to say top 10, because if you look at the points, not that far off and uh, we know what can happen. Um and yeah, we saw so many times that only because you're in the top three at the end of one season doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna get promoted. Um, I mean, not as well. You can't sing a song of that. But um, yeah, uh, I think like again, this high nine team really, really developed uh, again, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, I really I, at at some point I really want to see a match between between Heidenheim and Freiburg. Mm. Uh, just because you have um, like I don't want to see it because of all the media that will evolve around Frank Schmidt and Christian Streich who will probably not love that but just because I would be interested to see on how teams who know what to do and and squads that are so much built on what the, the coach wants how they play against each other. I, w- I really want to see that again because the last time was a couple of years ago when Freiburg was still in the Zweite Liga. Um, and that, uh, yeah, I can't really compare that because you you really have to say both Freiburg and and Heidenheim like really, really put another mm. level on their performances. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a great story for all of it. I mean, yeah, you'd love to see it. I mean, obviously... It's going to be tricky because obviously they need to make the top two and we know the history of Spider Bundesliga teams in the promotional playoffs, but we also know Spider Bundesliga teams in the relegation playoff. Eh, not good. It's like the, the worst of both worlds being in either either game. But yeah, um, just some interesting stats. You mentioned them defensively. It's the first time since match day 10 of last season where they've conceded four goals. For, um, that was against St. Pauli. Uh, they've scored 33 goals this season, um, and they've scored what a third of those goals in the last three games. <laughs> Unbelievable! They've scored 12 goals in their last three games. Outstanding! Great fun. If you love goals, you can expect it, and it's great, and we love it. Um, so yeah, Heidenheim fans going into the Winterpause feeling good. Third place, very very happy thoughts. Jan P12. A nervy Christmas. They're only two points outside of automatic relegation. Let's take break number one. And on the other side, we're going to talk about one of the big tussles from Friday night. We're going to start with Fortuna Dusseldorf and Kaiserslautern. Kaiserslautern were hoping to end the season on a high. It's already been above expectation for Dirk Schuster's side, but could they end the season with another win, making it seven out of their first 17? They took on a Dusseldorf side that had just been beaten at the hands of Hanover, uh, but they occupied fourth place heading into the match day, or fifth place, fifth place, in the top five regardless. 
but could they reduce the margin to Heidenheim and Hart as well? Well, the first half was predominantly dominated by the hosts. Daniel Tuneside were firmly in control of the game, creating opportunity after opportunity, and it would take a bit of absolute magic to open the scoring. Emmanuel Yours Cross found Mikhail Karbovnik, but Karbovnik had so much more to do. He slalomed his way through the Kaiserslautern defence before putting the ball into the roof of the goal. A stellar finish from the Polish uh, left-back, right-back, centre midfielder, jack-of-all-trades in that regard. A wonderful goal it was, and, and, and Dusseldorf continued to press after that, buoyed by the optimism of being ahead. But they just didn't make it happen and that kind of summed up their their first half, despite the dominance, 1-0 at the break. Of course, as we know, uh, if you don't take your chances, you know you put yourself under pressure. Changes at the break from Dirk Schuster, bringing in Aaron Apoko and Kevin Kraus, certainly made the shape a little bit more flexible. Simmer moving to right back, Doom to left back. Um, Apoko at the right midfield, and having Kraus playing as more of a defensive midfield player, they had better shape. And they were eventually rewarded five minutes into the second half. Coming from a set piece, Mike Wunderlich finding Kevin Kraus the substitute. This had a lot of controversy. Was it a foul on by Kraus on it on Reuven Hennings? We know the home supporters thought they were. The um, the the, uh, the amount of well, the over forty thousand Dusseldorf fans certainly would have told you that that was a definite foul. And we'll talk about what we think about that in a moment. It was an interesting decision. But uh, what it did do is it really swung the momentum. It evened up the game a bit more and both teams kind of traded opportunities and it would take a moment from the referee to decide whether this game would end all square or there would be a winner. In the fifth minute of added time, Lubinger, who gets into the box, is fouled by Mikhail Karbovnik. Penalty is given by Benjamin Cortis and Philip Clement puts the penalty away. And that's your scoreline. 2-1 is your final. Kaiserslautern are fourth heading into the Winterpause. 29 points. We usually say 40 is the, is the relegation mark. But they will feel very buoyed by winning four of their last five. They're only one of two teams to do that. The other team we just talked about moments ago in Heidenheim. And Eva, it's fair to say that the two goals came with quite conjecture against Kaiserslautern. Firstly... The contact from Kraus to, uh, I mean, in, in, in AFL, for example, in, in Australian rules footy, uh, that would be a push in the back because it's two clear hands to the back and that's a free kick every day of the week. Definite contact. I think you could have gone either way with that one. But also the penalty is an is a real interesting one. Uh, I'm not so certain. I mean, it was probably harder to overturn because it was given a penalty on the field. Uh, your impressions, not only on the two big decisions that went Kaiserslautern's way, but in general, the uh, the overall stigma of the fact that they've had a really good first half of the season as a, as a team that was the last side to guarantee their spot in the Swider Bundesliga this season. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna start with your first question. Um, in my opinion, you can give the goal, but you then can't give the penalty because if you say this is. Too less of a contact. Hannings falls too quickly. Not enough to overrule. I'm fine with that. But then 
I thought it was a very, very harsh penalty to give. Obviously, not a clear mistake. Contact was there, but I think then, like, I understand why the VAR can't do anything about that in a way. But I think that's really Benjamin, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Corder's decision on the pitch that irritated me then a bit. Because this is, we always talk about this, like, fouls have been, yeah, handled differently in, like, if it's in the box or not. But, like, then left to to goals in, in each instance. So I thought it was a bit weird. Um, for, yeah, but I think, nevertheless, Dusseldorf lost this game because of their first half. Because they had so many chances and they just didn't use that. It was a spectacular half. I mean, was very happy for for Kabovnik scoring that goal. Was tremendous. Didn't know what F, like the Kaiserslautern defense did there. But it was a bit weird how the ball came from Iowa to Kabovnik. I mean, Iowa searches the way through, can't find it, and then he it looks like he already loses the ball and then it comes to Kabovnik. But like then. They just give him a free pass. Uh, then Luther was good in goal as well. Um, and yeah, for, for Kaiserslautern, um, I think what they really have, what other teams, um, especially other promoter teams don't have, is the quality they can bring on from, uh, like bringing substitutes, especially in this game, Poku, Carlsen, as well as Clement. This is substitutions. I want to say normal normal um promoted sides can't bring on like they they've people sitting on the bench that are quality wise very above normal standards for for promoted teams um i mean they're they're one of the older teams which is fine good additions we talked about this uh really really over i want to say they overperformed still um, because there were close games where I still think, like, like I always think back to that Fürth Kaiserslautern game. Really looking forward to that game, and like in 2023, very different Fürth, um, where I don't think you we're gonna see a, a similar game to that what we saw um, in early stages of this season. Um, yeah, and. I don't think we will see them in the top four or top five coming end of season. But I mean, as of now, um, they they won't think about relegation too much. I mean, it can be this. This is what we talked so much that about, like St. Pauli uh, being seventh at the end of the season after being eighteenth. Um, similar, for example, Bielefeld were 14th in the end and they looked like very close to relegation or were 7th in the end and stuff. Um, but at the same time, there were teams before that, that were were very good in the first round and then they, like, look at St. Pauli last season, the, how good they were in the first leg and then they, yeah, two, three games, you can get... Like you don't start well into the second leg, so this is this will be very important for Kaiserslautern to secure um, their stay in the Zweite Liga for another year early in the season, 
Uh, but yeah, I think uh, nobody really expected us that. Like we we talked about at the beginning of the season how we expect uh, certain teams to perform the the promoted sides, um, and we said before that it's a bit different to the years before that you don't have that clear um, that one clear side where you think okay they're going to be in the top in the bottom three for like the majority of the season. We don't really have that. Uh, but we didn't really expect Kaiserslautern to be there. But again, I do think, like, it's in a way, it's very typical to choose the Fußball. Uh, at the same time, I don't think it will have, like, a similar route like he had with Darmstadt uh, when he brought them to the Zweite Liga and then obviously to the Bundesliga. I mean, that would be something. And that would be quite an achievement to do it with two separate clubs. <laughs> I'm getting the looks. <laughs> um Look, yeah, they, they. I think it is very more than fair to say that they are overperforming the output, and and also, but you could also say that it's the other way around, because there's been multiple games that we've covered, um, and thought, well, geez, maybe they should have done more. Maybe they could have been a bit more efficient in the final third, but I don't think they that really matters. It's quite arbitrary. They're in the top four. And they've had an unbelievable start to the season. They've been in some entertaining games. They've been great, joyous to watch, and yeah, really exciting. Good, good. It's been good for them. I think Dusseldorf will be disappointed though. Their first half, they were un- they looked unstoppable, and the only team that could have stopped them was themselves, and that was the case. They just couldn't. They just couldn't put them away when they had the chance. And once the game started to even out a bit more, it just, it, it's exactly what Dirk Schuster was planning on, was that when the game gets a bit more equal, it gets a bit more grittier. That's exactly, that's his style. Uh, he loves it. They, he loves the slop. And, and when they when the game, when the tough, um, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And Kaiserslautern have been a good case for that. They end with three consecutive wins on the bounce. And, Definitely looking forward to 2023. Two sides will end 2022 in the top half will be Holstein, Kiel, and Hanover. They also met on Friday night at the Holstein Stadion. This game had bits and pieces of good fortune and good luck, and it started with Kiel rapidly getting off the mark. The, uh, well, would you call him the, the, the grey-haired Messi? We love Finn Bartles. Finn Bartles is great. Um, he opened the scoring on nine minutes. Marvin Schultz, who was bombing down the wings, puts in a wonderful ball and really poorly marked from um, Hanover. They completely lost Finn Bartles. I mean, he's he's got the silver hair. So you can't miss him. Anyway, and he's not that tall. He makes a good header, 1-0, and they did it in quick succession at nine minutes. But that lead lasted... Well, not very long, just seven minutes. Cedric Toykert putting the ball into the back of the net to make it 1-1. That would be your final score in the end. There were a few yellow cards. Stefan Lytle was sent off, so I, I think he won't coach the opening game of next season against Kaiserslautern. He received a yellow card in stoppage time. He didn't like the decision, so immediately made a mockingly clapping gesture. And of course, he was given an immediate second yellow card. And to be honest, uh, it was quite funny, quite humorous um, that he would do that. So anyway, uh, what does this mean in terms of their finishing position? Hanover, they will be fifth heading into the winter break. They are five points away from Heidenheim in third. Kiel are eighth, but only one win in their last five games. They've had a pretty tricky run home. 
Um, but it's been a good turnaround from where they were at the start of the season. It would be a miss for us to not talk about Hanover because we've been a bit miffed about them this season. They're, uh, I think, I think a lot. I don't know how Hanover fans feel, but it's a confusing season because their highs have been quite high, their lows have been just all very reminiscent of the last few seasons. Um, this game had its highs and lows, and, and and ultimately they weren't able to find the result, the winning result anyway. What what's the impression overall, Eva, for yourself that they're just they've been weird. They've been a weird team to watch this season, and yet they're still very much in the hunt going forward. Yeah, I mean it's it's so difficult. I mean this game was it was done after sixteen minutes, <laughs> like after. Three, both teams took like eight minutes to get into the game and then game was done in like in the span of eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> this is always seven minutes. It's like crazy. Um, I have like, in a way, this game summed up both seasons so far for both teams perfectly, um, in my opinion. Because you had, um, yep, yeah, good individual class from both teams you had uh, a very weird assist by by Bayer that led to the goal I still don't know whether he wanted to like that was a shot and it was deflected as so weird um it's like it had both teams had their phases in the second half as well I'm, I'm it's very difficult for me to pinpoint where both teams are at I have to say, I think there are a lot of similarities, but at the same time, one team clearly states they want to get promoted and the other one doesn't. And the team that can be disappointed that they don't get three points out of this is the team who doesn't say they want to get promoted. Make out of this what you want. Um, But still, I think... I said it before, Hanover has too many question marks for me. Um, they, I mean, they they found two people who were good in scoring goals with Nielsen and Teuchert, obviously, but still everything that's going on midfield defense, I mean, how they consider that goal. I mean, you could, in a way, they really just rely on... Um, on on Juan Robert Sila to do his job at some stage. I mean, as I last week that that Burner had a good game, that whole defense part was very off uh, in parts of the game. So yeah, I I mean this is this is the problem with um, one ones between teams like this. <sighs> Statistically. Like the Bundesliga side, tell the Bundesliga page tells us Kia should have won. Five thirty-eight tells us Hanover should have won, uh, and I think this is all you need to know about the game because it's both teams only had one shot on target in the first half, made the goal, had a bit more in the second half, but not in a way that you think okay, there there is this one team that really really should have won. Have the feeling. Kiel looked a bit more like that, if especially if you look at that re chance in the first half, had that 
one percentage of more dangerous chances but this is not how games are decided um and i think in the end both teams have to live and they live with a one one um i think we probably have to quickly touch about why stefan Leitl was sent off what he didn't like um please lead on and i mean i can understand the sentiment in a way it looks like it should be i mean schreiber just punches Nielsen in the face Mm. to be honest but before there's actually a foul from Nielsen on one of the key players uh, and that's probably why you have that combination in the first place still I think yeah Schreiber should not done that like was very very dangerous play and I think in the end a penalty could have been given see this is a tough one because as a goalkeeper when you see a ball that is potentially about to go to an opponent who's about to header it your first instinct is to punch that's just a goalkeeping coaches analyst will tell you that is the first motion is to is to punch and unfortunately what can happen is he's it's not intent he's not deliberately trying to punch Harv Nilsson. The intent's not there. I mean, I'm sure if there was intent, it would be more of a face-to-face interaction, but we obviously don't condone that naughty, naughty behaviour. So, I I, th- I think we've seen that given before, though, as a penalty. I, I Memory is a bit fried at the moment, but I'm pretty certain we've seen a decision like that given as a penalty, and it was quite controversial. So... I'm sure. I'm sure it happened somewhere. I, I hope I'm not dreaming it. But um, yeah, I, I I understand both. I understand not giving the penalty, but I also understand the grievance that um, Stefan Lytle has. Um, but the, the response was funny though. I couldn't help but laugh when he got sent off. That was quite um, disingenuous. Was his response? So yeah, um, you know, both teams will feel pretty solid about where they're at at the moment. Um, interesting to see what Kiel does in the goalkeeping situation. Schreiber has been pretty solid in goal, um, so it looks like they might head into camp with a genuine battle for goalkeeper number one spot. Look forward to that. Let's make a move to the Schuka Arena. Let's go to Bielefeld. Why not? Uh, Armenia Bielefeld took on Magdeburg. These two sides desperate, desperate to get out of the bottom two. As in Bielefeld were desperate to get off the foot of the table. Magdeburg hoping to continue to climb their way up the table if they were able to get a result. Of course, Bielefeld were victorious in Paderborn, but would they be at home? Something they, you know, they've done a few times. Not often, but they've done it. Um they were almost gift. They were gift wrapped at the opening goal of the game, just on the half hour mark. Horrendous defensive mistake in an attempt to pass the ball back. Jomain Cornsbush does an unbelievable. I've probably melted. I've butchered his name. No question. Sorry, Jomain. Um, he intercepts the pass, rounds the goalkeeper, and he manages to put the ball in the back of the net. We mentioned Cornsbush as someone who was going to come in with the injuries at Bielefeld. He opened the scoring. 1-0 at the break. There was a penalty shout in the first half that uh, Magdeburg thought they should have had a penalty. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll discuss that. Second half, 
Bielefeld got on the offensive and they made it 2 0 on 65 minutes. Masai Okugawa does wonderfully well to find Christian Gibauer, another one of the the sort of the Bielefeld misfits who wasn't expect who had to come in because of the red card to Lucas Klunter, the second yellow to red. Um, he scores his first goal since, if we have to go back, match day 19. So the first match day of the uh, the new year of the new year. Yep, I think that's right. In the league, in the Svarta Bundesliga. Is that correct, Eva? Am I right in saying? Yeah. You mean Gebauer, right? Yeah. He yeah. scored his last goal against Bayern Munich. <laughs> no, it doesn't count. I'm not counting that. I refuse. I'm talking last season. Last season. He scored in the goal Swider... last season. No, he didn't. In the Swider Bundesliga, he did. You're thinking ah, of the 2021 yeah, yeah, season. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Well, I, but I mean, he scored a goal. His last that's his last Bieler that's his last Bielefeld goal, and it was his only Bielefeld goal. I'm talking about his. Yeah, last... we don't count Ingolstadt. Well, we do because they were in the Spider Bundesliga, <laughs> no. and this is not getting edited, so it's definitely staying in here. So, anyway, Gibal scores his first goal since match day 19 of this year of last season against Heidenheim. That does count. Um, then um, Bielefeld made it three just seven minutes later and another goal of the season contender although I feel that some points will get deducted and I'll explain in a sec it was a corner kick for Bielefeld initially cleared and then Robin Hack just puts it on the volley and it's a wonderful goal the reason why it probably doesn't win goal of the season is it was slightly deflected I'm sorry I'm not the judge I'm getting faces. People I'm getting... I'm, yep, there's a middle finger. It's all happening. Probably copying it, but yeah, you did it before. Anyway, um, <laughs> they did give that goal back quite quickly. Tatsuya Ito scored um, in midweek. Scores again. Big tick. Um, no, he didn't score in midweek. Anyway, he, scored, he has scored this game, and it was a consolation in the end. Um, it was Jason Checker's cross that was quite good. Ito with the one-time finish. 3-1 your final. It means that Bielefeld, for the first time in what feels like probably an age, they are no longer bottom of the table. They will enter the break 16th, winning three of their last five games. Magdeburg, on the other hand, two consecutive defeats. It means that they will enter the winter in a cold 17th. Eva, you were at this game. What was your perspective on the Bielefeld performance? Because, well, winning has been hard for them this season. Five wins in their opening 17 games. Um, but again, we talk about beating the teams around you. And, you know, they beat Paderborn, which was an exceptional victory. And we're going to talk about Paderborn in the next section. They are, oh, they are sliding down the slope quite quickly. Um, they get that win. We talked about it when they beat St. Pauli. It doesn't matter if you don't follow up the next week. Your impressions and thoughts are on Bielefeld's uh, fifth win, but their second consecutive win heading into the winter break. Yeah, I think it was really, really important. I mean, they, they did what they had to do in this game. I mean, I said before, I was uh, pretty much afraid um about who is going to play and I mean uh, Gabe Bauer was one of the like the players that Mark DeBoot looked out as one of the weaknesses could say that they tried to play over the left side a couple of times especially in the first half uh, I think that's why it was very very clever of Shannon to switch to uh, to five in the back 
I mean, he already did that towards the end of the first half um, and really put that in place in the second half when he brought Yakelon for, for Tchaikovsky. Um, and you could see that in a way that did secure um, that spot uh, or, or that, yeah, that, that right side that uh, that Gibar wasn't that alone anymore. I mean, in the end, the, the goal came over his side as well. Um, that he was just not defending Ito in any way, um, but I think yeah, it was it was a good performance um, in a way that they were efficient. Um, we had a lot of couple of or we had a couple of games, especially at home as well. If you think back to the Karlsruhe game, where they had their chances but they never used them, um, and they have proven one t- once again, if Bielefeld takes the lead, they're not going to lose the game. They're going to win that. Uh, and they did this in in this game as well, um, and that was yeah very very vital for them. Um, defensively, good efforts, especially with Ramos and and Freizo, um to pick them out. Um, yeah, and Priedel at least he got uh, he he at least ran most kilometers in this game, um, so that probably was one of the important things. Nakal and I looking still looking forward to Lepinita playing there um, because I still think he is the better of those two. Um, but yeah, I think for, for Kornsborg, everyone's very happy. He is a Bielefeld original uh, and you could really see how important it was for him to, to score that goal. Um, and that was good. Um, about the penalty scene, obviously I'm biased, <laughs> uh, but it was checked. I know that. Mm-hmm. Like, the the game was on a break. Um, I think in the end because Ramos touches the ball first, um, and then it's not really clear. It's like it's a challenge on the ball and not the player. Um, and you can see that they both do not have their the strongest stand in that situation. But I mean, at the on the other side, I could probably understand when, like, if the penalty would have been given. Once again, I think this is one of the instances where you say. VAR can't really overrule that because the like the the referee saw the the scene. I think that's really the thing. Um, he stood right in front of that, had a clear view, and then the VAR intercepted and said, "Okay, but I I don't interpret it interpret it this way." Um, so I think yeah, obviously it's always easier for me to say that as a as like the fan of the team who is in advance in that scene um that that's for sure but yeah i think uh we discussed that before we started recording and i think we were coming to more or less same conclusion um yeah still have to say for for Magdeburg, i think it's very frustrating um i said this uh in the rasenfunk on tuesday it does remind me a bit of paderborn in the bundesliga under baumgart where you keep saying up oh, very very courageous uh, performances, uh, good football, not what you kind of expect of a promoted team. But in the end, it doesn't like it doesn't matter if you can't get results out of this. And this is like this is the problem that Magdeburg uh, loses the games against teams around them, um, and yeah, that they just don't score goals. I mean, they had 21 shots on goal in this game, and even nine on target. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was e- either Freisel or especially like if you look at the quality of the shots, a lot of them very 
on like on the goalkeeper. Mm. So Freiser didn't like I think there were one or two shots where there were danger. There was this one chance by Arctic at the start of the second half, I think. But the rest of it you could then just see that Bielefeld was confident enough in defending that and uh, that at some stage uh, you could see that yeah they just didn't really have the quality to bring it around yeah I mean you mentioned the penalty scene and I agree referenced Newton's first law of motion the principle of inertia essentially where he can't just stop Ramosh can't just stop where he is after like his momentum is forever going to take him in a straight line until something stops him, whether that's the the grass eventually you know gripping onto him or in this case uh, <laughs> clattering into a Magdeburg player. So I, I was okay with that not being a penalty. Played the ball first. It's just you know yeah common sense um, for that one. But you are you are right though that like like. Everyone likes what Magdeburg do. They make nice football. They're, they're quite entertaining. They get lots of shots on goal. Um, but they don't win the games. That's the problem. And I think that Paderborn comparison is quite apt. It's like, they play great football. We love the manager and it's all good, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't win. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's quite tragic. But that's just the unfortunate truth about it is it doesn't matter unless you win. So, um Interesting to see what Magdeburg does in the winter break. They've got a lot to fix, especially defensively. Bielefeld heading in the right direction, but can they carry this form when we return? Let's take our final break of 2022. On the other side, let's discuss our final three games and, of course, our kick tip, and we'll say our final goodbyes. We're going to start at the BB Bank Wildpark when Karlsruhe hosted St. Pauli. Uh, a game full of surprises on Saturday afternoon. Karlsruhe and St. Pauli, two sides that have been sliding their way down the table. One team very much trying to get themselves back up would be St. Pauli. Karlsruhe, well, they had lost five on the bounce heading into this home game. And uh, we said heading into this game, now we had the disclaimer, we don't like to see people lose their jobs, of course. We're not that kind of podcast. But it would seem likely if either coach managed to lose that it would be hard to justify that they would still be there heading into 2023 we also disclaimed that this game would probably end in a draw well let's see how it panned out it was a perfect 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 start for Karlsruhe who got off to the quickest of starts uh, they opened the scoring just 12 minutes in we talked about Fabian Schleusner as someone who you know is their go-to guy and uh, he opened the scoring with a Mikael Kaufmann assist Schleusner just tapping home and 1-0 was your early. Four minutes later, it was 2-0. Again, one player who's been really shouldering the load over the last few games has been Marvin Vanitsek. Outstanding in this game. He scored on 16 minutes to make it 2-0. And then it started to really rain in the goals. Just six, just eight minutes later, it was 2-1. Lukas Daschner finding Johannes Eggestein. Eggestein does so well, and he puts the ball in the back of the net. Initially checked for offside. Goal is given. All good. But they quickly gave that goal back. A rule lapse in concentration defensively off the throw-in, and Marvin Vanacek found Fabian Schleusner to make it 3-1 on 31. Then, 
Eggestein said what you can do, I can do too. When he put his second goal of the game in just four minutes later, uh, Minolas Saliakis finding Eggestein. And it was, again, another goal checked by the video assistant referee. Again, Eggestein is onside. 3-2. And then just two minutes before the end of the first half, it was 3-3 when Marcel Bifus was able to find Eric Smith. And 3-3 at the break. Who would have had that as their scoreline? But Karlsruhe got off to the best of starts in the second half. Marvin Vonitek finding Mikael Kaufman. Kaufman, his second goal of the season in just a rare start for him. That's good production from your top two with three goals combined. But in the, the sort of needing to match, Lucas Dashner got himself on the scoreboard. Johannes Sagerstein, who'd been provided the opener from Dashner, returned the favour. Dashner making it 4-4. It seemed more likely as the game went on that St. Pauli were going to find a fifth, but they were unable to do so. Full-time rings 4-4. This game was just ridiculous. It was actually ridiculous how silly this game was. It was delayed by, I think, 15 minutes because no one could see anything from the, uh, the, the quite spectacular pyro display. And it was just, it was just smoke, lots of smoke and... No, no visibility. I think they had like a in the conference. They were like, "Yeah, we're going to go to Kalzur and St. Pauli," and it's just the camera panning across the stadium to find any sort of like remnants of clear air, which there wasn't too many. But um, yeah, um, both teams in the bottom six heading into the break. Um, St. Pauli winless in their last five. Kalzur Car- are just happy to break the five games of consecutive losing. What do we make of this game? I don't think we actually... There's a real conclusion to this one, but uh, both teams, what their flaws... Um, well, I guess St. Pauli's is, we can finally score goals. This is great. We, This is what we, we, we've been trying to show all season, uh, but haven't been able to do so. And for, for Karlsruhe, kind of the same mistakes over and over again. I don't know what storyline we want to go with. Eva, you, you can take this one over. I have no idea. I don't know what to say anymore. You, you've got this one. <laughs> why, do I, why do I have to do that? Um, yeah, no, this, um, I think the craziest thing about this, that in the highlights for the Spotter, this was like 3 minutes 50. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While Braunschweig uh, also were like 8 minutes. Yeah. Uh, this this was amazing to me. Um, no, I don't know. I think this was just in a way, St. Pauli, when we look back at St. Pauli against Nuremberg start of the season, defense, St. Pauli now. Same problems, same individual errors, um, errors in defending, errors when it comes to build-up play. And then at least what they did in this game was that they actually managed to score goals. But... Pff, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for, for Karlsruhe, they should hold on to lead. <laughs> like, yeah. ASAP. They were in front three times. How? Like, no, twice, sorry. Oh, uh, when you, oh, sorry, twice, right? Yeah. Um, It was 3-1, that was 3-3 and 4-3, and that was, yeah. Sorry, can't count. It's too late. Too many goals. Um, Yeah, but I don't know what to say about this. 
more than just saying that it took way too long to check the goal for Zach Pauli, the first one. Mm-hmm. Like it might, it was close, but it was not that close. You yeah. like, why? It, <laughs> and it's not that there were eight hundred people around that. So okay, uh, and I mean, I think the the most beautiful goal was the last goal of this game was because I really like the Dashna-Egerstein combination. And then you question why could not this, why this couldn't happen earlier into the season. Yeah. I think you can, we can agree that for both teams, this is definitely not the season they've expected so far. A uh, lot of things that have to improve. Um, sad to say, kick out article that Schultz's future is in question not to everyone's surprise. I mean, they were good in this game. They were a better team in a way, but they just made too many mistakes. And this, uh, in a way, way too naive. And then you don't deserve to win a game. Yeah. I mean, the winter break comes at a great time for both sides to recalibrate, identify clear areas of weakness that, um, you know, if it's, if it's a majority of the pitch, then obviously, um, yep. That's for sure. Defensively, both teams need help. I, I guess the, the, the only pass that you could give St. Pauli is that they've had a lot of injuries in defence. Karlsruhe have played majority of the time with the same four, back four. Uh, they didn't have Ambrosius in this game, but... Um, yeah. I think I think it's almost a case of both coaches have taken as far as they can go. I mean, it, the, the winter break will be telling how the, fir- the, the first few games, because... If you're going to make a change, you'd probably start now before teams go into training camp again. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, we expect these... To, it's, going to, it's going to be the weirdest transfer market. Although I expect a lot of teams to be really busy heading into the new seat, the new part, the second half of the season. Let's go to Nuremberg, the Max Morlock Stadion. It was Nuremberg taking on Paderborn. Paderborn, three games. Three consecutive losses. They were probably looking forward to playing a Nuremberg side who just cannot score goals. They can kind of defend. Things were looking quite shaky under Marcus Weinzel. They wore a special kit, uh, a Sonder Troy kit, uh, plain white with just Mensch uh, on the on the on the jersey. Yep, it probably not the most unique, but. The message is there, I guess, that whatever works. Um, it seems to give them good luck. Much like how Bielefeld is wearing their white kit at home, which I don't agree with. Passionately think that's... No, wear the home kit. That's, you know... Much like Richard Sherman, like, run the ball. Wear the white... Wear the home kit. That's what, that's what it's called. The home kit. Home Troy kit. Not wherever, whatever kit. This isn't the NBA. This is, this is football. Wear the home kit. Anyway, it worked a treat for them because they opened the scoring. Um, somehow, um, it was, I don't know what Leopold Zengler was doing. I don't know why he was that far out of his goal for the opener, but it was a wonderful pass from Johannes guys to play Quadwo Dua in Zengler. Yeah. What a, yeah. Don't know what he was doing, uh, but Dua chips him quite delicately and one nil. And that's the score they took into the break. They would make it two. just 10 minutes into the second half, Mats Molodaly with a simple pass to Quadwa Dua, and Dua did the rest. What a sumptuous finish to beat Leopold Zingula and to make it 2-0. And you would be forgiven for thinking that Nuremberg would completely shut up shop, and they 
pretty much did. Um, and the one thing they couldn't do is gift goals. Do not gift goals. Don't do it. And unfortunately for first-time player Lewis uh, Breening, he gifted Julian Justvan a goal in an attempt to... I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to clear the ball, and he just didn't do it. And it went straight to the head of Justvan, who put the ball to the back of the net, making it quite a nervous 25-plus minutes for Nürnberg. But they were able to hold on a win, a rare win for them. Um, it's their first win since they beat Dusseldorf, which almost seems like a lifetime away. And the team's most feeble offensive team sits in 11th, just one point behind their Franconian neighbours. And let me tell you, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Paderborn have lost four on the bounce uh, after being in such a, a, a lucrative position to be in the hunt for promotion. Ah, this is the first time in the Kwasniok era that we are starting to question what's going on in this the uh, the club that is probably not in north in that area of Ostwestfalia. We just won't talk about it. But uh, let's talk about Nuremberg because they've been well, not particularly great under Marcus Feinsil. They've existed as a as a football club, but they've been really difficult to watch. Um, but they scored two in a game for the first time in a long time. They won the game since the first time in a long time. Um, your reaction on what was a do-a-double to give the club all three points? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, what we saw when uh, Lucas Kvasnil said, we're not a top team um, after uh, they've lost to Hamburg and Heinheim is what that we said. I mean... Um, as of now, it depends how they play against teams that are not in their area. We, I mean, in in a way, we have to agree with Kwasniak now because the way they've lost both games mm. against teams from the bottom half of the table um, was not good. Let's let's put it like this. Uh, Bielefeld game obviously had something to do with uh, sending off of with uh, of food, but um, yeah, I mean. Uh, I think, in my opinion, especially the the se- second goal, you can, in a way, ask uh, what Singler was doing there. If you come out of the box, just don't stand there. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> he just basically stood there and do it, could still do that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it was it was not good. Let's put it like this: it was not good. It was a good result for Nuremberg. Um, they, I mean, they were efficient in a way uh, that they scored two goals out of four shots on target. It's good. Um, I think it's what they needed, especially if you look at the result of the other teams surrounding them. But yeah, I'm still not convinced. <laughs> but at the same time, if you look at Paderborn, and if we look at Paderborn and, and Fürth, well, we have two teams who showcase what the Zweite is about and that you can never, never uh, underestimate trends and what a couple of games can really have an, an impact on. Um, for Paderborn in a very negative way, for Fürth obviously in a positive way. Um, but like even if you look at Bielefeld last weekend, we were like, okay, they're done and dusted, four points off. Uh, don't see how they're going to win games. One, two games, at least 16th. 
all very close, three teams with, with 70 points. Um, and that's what we actually start of season. Very difficult to pick like teams for promotion and relegation, but at the same time, pick teams between this. And this is what the Spider Liga shows us again and again, and it's even more difficult this year. And um, yeah, we, we're going to see what Nuremberg is going to do in the break. Um, but I think we can all agree they need improvement for Paderborn. The, the break comes at the right time. Yeah, so um, I'm going to, yeah, this is, um, I don't know about them, how, how they're going to develop. Yeah, I mean, in the same boat, that that's... Um... That um that break comes really well. I it's fascinating. We're talking about after their defeats to Hamburg and, and Heidenheim, as you mentioned. You know we're not a top team, and okay, that's a fair assumption after lo- losing two of the tests. But then, oh boy, yeah, losing to Bielefeld, who were bottom at this time, and then a Nuremberg side that literally could not score a goal often at all. Um, yeah, not great. Not great. So yeah, they need they need a recalibration, massive recalibration. And if someone could inject some attacking uh, efficiency for Nuremberg, that would probably be welcomed as well. But yeah, uh, into the break they go. Nuremberg, as we mentioned, are eleventh. Paderborn are sixth, just two points behind Hanover, and they are now seven points behind Heidenheim. When they look so comfortable in the top three, they are now again on the outside looking in. And finally, this was bid as the top spieler. It was anything but a top spieler to watch. Um, Braunschweig and Rostock. This game ended a goal to nil. And it was a Svante Ingelsen goal on the hour mark. That was enough to give Hansa all three points. And Patrick Gluckner, his first win as Hansa Rostock coach. Big win for Hansa. What does it mean for both sides? It means that, well, Hansa uh, sit ninth with that win. They leapfrogged a bunch of teams with the results. Um, whereas Braunschweig, they well, they stumble down to 14th, winless in their last five, and yeah, this was this was not a great, not particularly great game to watch on the Saturday nights. Um, but one thing that was certain is is um, defensively, Rostock were solid. Another combination of a back four with Lukoki, Rosbach, Malone, and Onanu. Uh, they, I thought they've defended quite well, and of course Marcus Kolker had another strong game, and yeah, it's this was another. I think this was a great um, sort of representation of the league as a whole. We talk about chance creation, we talk about chance efficiency, and chances taken, and um, you know Braunschweig for the seventeen shots on goal, they really didn't do enough to test Rostock, and in the end, they paid the price for it. Yeah, would fully agree. I mean, this game like like Brentford should win. Uh, they were really better. Corker had a fantastic time between the sticks, uh, in a way. And yeah, well, as you've mentioned, talking about efficiency, Rostock one shot on target in the whole game. Goal, <laughs> game done. It's very frustrating for uh for Braunschweig, but I mean. In a way, they ended their Hinrunde how they started it. Shots on goal, shots on target, plenty. Not a bad game, but in the end, uh, the opponent was just up for the task and they were not. 
Um, and don't know if that helps going to the break. I mean, we kind of criticized them in a bit, a bit for their last performances that the positive development that they had was going away had, I mean, so they have problems with, um, uh, injuries as well defensively obviously De Medina, Behrendt, uh, Ferrari couldn't play, can't play for a couple of weeks now uh, Uja could only be substituted on uh, because of his back problems um, then you have people like Luke Ehos to come and play so there are a number of players that can't play but at the same time still they, they still had chances not like Rostock locked them into their own half in the second half. No, just one. I mean, it was a beautiful goal, you guys say. Um, but this shouldn't happen to you um, in games like this. Yeah, agreed. It was well taken, and surprisingly, it's, it's Ingolson's first goal of the season. He did not get credit for that goal in Regensburg, which I think was a bit stiff, but what would I know? Um, but yeah, look, I see this from a from a Rostock point of view. They've obviously really struggled this season. Uh, a lot of underperforming players have regressed. Um, so I think it was important that they got back to basics. They had to absorb a lot of pressure from from Braunschweig, but um, you know they made the shot count when in Ingolson took the chance on the hour. And to be honest, that yeah the they did enough. It's a big win for them. Um, and it puts them in a really good position heading into the winter break. And, and it gives Patrick Gluckner, of course, a lot of time to reassess and, and see what he wants to do with this team heading into the second half of the season. As always, we like to look at our kick tips, see how it's going. It's been very competitive this season. It's really tight at the top. Alex. Congratulations to you. You get the Herbstmeister. We don't have any prizes because we don't make any money from this podcast, of course. But you get our congratulations for being top at the winter break. Congratulations to you. St. Pauli uh, FIFA. 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 Maybe FIFA. Sorry. Top scored with 14. It was a tough week to predict. And points could have easily gone either way. Uh, Such was the match day in general. Podcast recommendations. I have one that we can give. Uh, it is in, of course, the German language, but if you have a spare two hours, 35 minutes and 41 seconds, which who doesn't in today's society, uh, I do recommend listening to the Rasenfunk, the Sider Bundesliga episode, which of course has our own Eva Lotte along with Michael Fischer and the Milan Torns Tim Eckstein, someone we definitely have to get onto the pot at some stage or another. They absolutely tear it up with the Sider Bundesliga in the German language, so you should definitely check it out if you have the time put it on in the background at two times speed i don't know how to do it but you know definitely go listen to it the Rasenfunk does great work so absolutely listen to that and that's it i think we're done 2022 is over for us we are going to take a break a unfortunately longer than usual hiatus but uh we want to thank you for for sticking with us for the season it has, of course, been a bit of a, a cram job, but um, yeah, we thank you so much for listening and, and being part of the community. It's obviously great to, to talk Zweiter Bundesliga with, uh, in the English language. And um, of course, a big thank you to Eva for uh, putting up with me 
virtually every single week of the uh, of the season, and um, it's greatly appreciated that. Uh, but yeah, someone someone is willing to listen to my triple on a weekly basis. Edger, it's always a pleasure. Obviously, uh, yeah, and obviously, um, forgive us that we don't do like a Hinron review, but I think, um, yeah, we've already always summarized what happened, and I, I we thought it would make more sense to make a big Rückrunde preview um, at the start of 2023 i think it helps all of us a bit better and to be honest um i have the feeling i'm repeating myself for four months now (laughs) i think it's not helping (laughs) to do this in a a special dedicated episode for the season preview uh review so see i can't even speak anymore uh obviously want to thank matthew as well um for enduring my complete loss of um speaking the English language from time to time and um, creating words that don't even exist, obviously also to our listeners who still understand what we are saying and who have been through us through thick and thin. Yeah, agreed. What would the podcast be without it? Eva-isms and Matt-isms. It's, uh, it's what makes the podcast fun. So yeah, appreciate, of course, being a part of it. And uh, yeah. That that should do it. We're we're off to go to I don't know. I'm probably going to a sunny beach and either I don't know, somewhere somewhere nice. We're all go- we're both going to Spain. Let's be honest. Metaphorically, we're off to we're off to a nice sunny beach and uh, having a, a, a. I'm going to retail paradise, <laughs> which is going to be my uh, place for the next one and a half month. Please oh. be nice to retail. Yes. Uh, people, it's not an easy job during Christmas time. Facts. They all don't have an easy time as well. So please be nice to, to those people. It's like be nice in general, but to them especially. Facts. I can attest to that. But yeah, okay. We, we this 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 is like all reviews. It just is dragging too long. The ending is dragging too long. Uh, thank you again. We appreciate your time. We appreciate uh, being part of the community. And yeah, enjoy the time off. Enjoy the World Cup if you're watching it. Enjoy watching whatever you're going to watch until then. And then we can't wait to get back uh, rolling with the football in the Spider Bundesliga in January of 2023 when the Spider Bundesliga returns. (laughs) 